thank you so much for being here this morning. Those of you who are here in person, I know we have a lot of people watching online as well. So good morning to you. Thank you for joining us. Uh, you know, that, that last song was actually a, a great song, guys, that we chose because uh, yesterday, many of you here watching online were a part of an, an important run. You were uh, running, you were shaking cans, you were cheering runners on, maybe you were donating. Any of you uh, that were a part of the St. Jude run yesterday morning, uh, we think you're amazing. I just want to give a little round of applause to uh, everyone that was a part of that awesome, awesome fundraising opportunity. It's, it's amazing. Here in Connect, we have many who run uh, here in Washington. We've got some who run in other communities, surrounding areas. Uh, we're actually very blessed to have the, uh, the gentleman, Mike McCoy, who started this event 40 years ago, is a part of Connect Church. We love him and his wife, Amy. Um, this was their 40th year of doing the St. Jude run. This year's run raised $4.7 million, bringing the total over the last 40 years raised to almost $71 million. That's just incredible. So all you runners and uh, the rest of you like me who just stand on the streets, cheer them on, and then get back in the air conditioning real quick. So, uh, but we still donate. Uh, well done, all of you. That's, that's fantastic. So um, I wonder if you've ever, that phrase has just kind of gone through your mind. Maybe something's happened and you find yourself just thinking, you know what, it's not fair. It's just not fair. As a father of three children, I've heard this phrase many times over the last 20 years. Why can't I do this? My friends get to do it. Why are you letting her do that? I was never allowed to do that when I was her age. He got one of those. Why can't I have one of those? It's just not fair. As a parent, I remember getting to that point that every parent gets to and uttering that phrase that I really hoped I would never find myself saying because it's such a silly thing to say. But, but as parents, we, we just get there and we say, you know what? Life's not fair. There you go. Life lesson right there. Great parenting moment. Life's not fair. And the reality is, many of us at some point in our lives, whether it was our parents telling us or a situation we ran into, we've, we've run into something, haven't we? We've, we've realized, you know, sometimes life is not fair. We're actually in a series right now, and the series is called Summer Mixtape. And whether your mixtape is a Spotify playlist, uh, whether you've still got a CD with a Sharpie title on the front, uh, maybe some of you have still got your mixtapes, just not the tape player, the cassette player, to play it in. The great thing about a mixtape is it's a selection of songs that you get to choose that capture a specific feeling, emotion, or moment. And in the Bible, we've got this wonderful collection of mixtapes just like that. They're called the Psalms. And like every good mixtape, each psalm is individual, each one is unique, and each one covers a different topic, a different emotion, a different feeling. And what fascinates me is that even though these psalms were written thousands of years ago, as I read them still today, I find them just as relevant. They're, they're talking about topics that are just as real in my life today. So this morning, we're going to look at one psalm in particular, and it was written by a guy who felt like it's just not fair. 
God, this isn't fair. It's kind of his cry to God. It's Psalm 73. It's written by a guy named Asaph, A-S-A-P-H, Asaph. Uh, He actually wrote 12 of the Psalms that we have in the the book of Psalms. There are 150 of them altogether, and 12 of them throughout the, the, uh, the book were written by this guy, Asaph. He was one of King David's musicians. So he was a musician in the court of King David, and he wrote 12 of these psalms. We're going to look at one here, and we're going to read it all. It's a long one, okay? So so stick with me. Psalm 73, there are 28 verses. um, But as I read it, just capture this thought of him just kind of crying out to God, God, it's not fair. Psalm 73, truly God is good to Israel, to those whose hearts are pure. But as for me, I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping. I was almost gone. For I envied the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. They seem to live such painless lives. Their bodies are so healthy and strong. They don't have troubles like other people. They're not plagued with problems like everyone else. They wear pride like a jeweled necklace and they clothe themselves with cruelty. These fat cats have everything their hearts could ever wish for. They scoff and speak only evil. In their pride, they seek to crush others. They boast against the very heavens and their words strut throughout the earth. And so the people are dismayed and confused, drinking in all their words. What does God know, they ask? Does the Most High even know what's happening? Look at these wicked people enjoying a life of ease while their riches multiply. Did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? I get nothing but trouble all day long. Every morning brings me pain. If I had really spoken this way to others, I would have been a traitor to your people. So I tried to understand why the wicked prosper, but what a difficult task it is. But then... I went into your sanctuary, O God, and I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. Truly, you put them on a slippery path and sent them sliding over the cliff to destruction. In an instant, they are destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. When you arise, O Lord, you will laugh at their silly ideas as a person laughs at dreams in the morning. Then I realized that my heart was bitter and I was all torn up inside. I was so foolish and ignorant. I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. Yet I still belong to you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. My health may fail. My spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. Those who desert him will perish, for you destroy those who abandon you. But as for me, how good it is to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my shelter, and I will tell everyone about the wonderful things you do. So here's this songwriter, Asaph. This is his own personal journey that he's been on. He's kind of telling God. He's, I, I love this psalm because it's not a psalm that's being written from somebody in the midst of their crisis, in the midst of their struggle. They're kind of taking you on a journey. They're saying, hey, I can remember when I used to think like this. 
and how it made me feel and how I worked through that. And, and here's where I'm at now. And let, me, let me describe that whole journey for you, that whole process of what I went through, what, where I was at and, and where I came to when I finally realized who God was and, and what he was up to. And we get to experience this with him. And as we go on this journey with Asaph this morning through this psalm, I think thousands of years later, it's gonna resonate with some of us even today in our own lives. So let's ask a couple of questions then about this psalm. Ask a couple of questions related to what Asaph is talking about. The first question I wanna answer this morning is what is the problem? What is the problem that Asaph has? So like I say, I, I like this psalm because he identifies the problem, but he also takes us through to the answer. But before he even identifies the problem, he actually lets us know just how serious of a problem this was for him. In the very opening lines of the psalm, verse two, he says, but as for me, I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping. I was almost gone. This is one of the things I love about the Psalms. One of the things I'm, I'm seeing more and more as I'm studying them for this series is they are just, they're just honest. The Psalms are honest. There's a transparency there. There's no cleaning things up and making it look good or hiding some of the bad feelings or the bad emotions that people may have. These Psalms are just raw emotion coming out. And I think it frees us a little bit as followers of Jesus to be the same. Because if we're honest, some of us do have our church face, our church clothes. We arrive on a Sunday morning, life's good. How are you? Good, great, got it all together. But God's looking for some honesty and some transparency, and we see that from the writers of the Psalms. And what we see here from Asaph is not just a little doubt. By his own admission, he's saying, this problem almost caused me to lose my footing and slip. I was almost gone. I'd almost given up. On God, that, that's how serious this was. I was ready to throw in the towel and say, I, I can't take this anymore. I can't follow you anymore. And God allows these words into Scripture. God allows us to read this psalmist's frustration because I think he wants us to acknowledge that sometimes we'll find ourselves in situations where we're like, God, I just, I'm not sure anymore. I'm really struggling with this. And that's okay to be working through that as part of your journey. If we truly believe in God and have faith in him, as many of us here this morning do, but then we have a doubt or a struggle, I think for some of us it can cause us to question that faith in the first place. Well, well what kind of Christian am I? What, if I'm doubting this, then surely that means I'm not a very good follower of Jesus. So I better just push that doubt away. I better not ask those questions because I don't want it to undermine my faith. I love to fly. Maybe you're somebody here who loves to fly, but I know there are some people who aren't quite as excited about flying as I am. I know there are some people who get very nervous on a plane. They, they don't like flying. We have 
one uh, friend, a couple, and we were on a trip with them once, and we got to fly, and uh, I remember on the way back, and I don't remember the, the, the weather being too bad or being too choppy, but uh, this particular lady, she was very nervous coming into land, and we were kind of sitting across from her, and we looked over, Casey, my wife and I, and we could see her. She was kind of rocking, and I think she was praying, and I think she was, you know, super nervous. So in that moment, I thought, I, I need to do what any kind of good friend would do. So I got out my phone, and I started videoing her, because I just thought it was kind of funny watching, you know, how she was uh, reacting to this. And then when we got on the, the ground and everyone was safe, I just made sure we showed her that video several times over the following weeks and months. But the reality is, I, I don't get like that on planes normally because I've, I know the statistics of how unlikely it is for a plane to crash. I know that planes are incredibly well designed and they can handle all sorts of turbulence. And even though it feels very rocky or bouncy, they're incredibly strong. But you know what? There's been a few times where I've been on a plane, especially when we've flown back to England where I'm from, because then you're like in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. I mean, you're, and it's got kind of turbulent and rocky and it's, it's got pretty bad. And it's got to one of those points where it's like so rocky and then there's that, Whoa, and it kind of drops and everyone, you know, like there's hundreds of people on this plane, they're like, Whoa. <laughs> Not me, obviously. I'm, as I posted earlier, very brave. You know, I don't scream like a girl. But... Uh, <laughs> I do talk to Jesus a little bit more <laughs> in some of those moments. Not because I thought it was wrong with my beliefs about flying, but just sometimes my faith is put to the test. Situations cause you to be very certain about something, but then you're like, well, maybe now I'm not so certain. And that's okay. And I think the same happens in our own personal faith. As we follow Jesus, there'll be a situation, something will happen, and it will really cause us to question our faith. And I think Asaph is showing us here that that's a, that's a part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. He opens up this psalm before he even identifies the problem and said, hey, I almost lost my footing over this. My feet were slipping. I was almost gone. This is how much I was wrestling with this idea. So what was the idea that he was wrestling with? What was the problem that Asaph had? Well, verse three pretty much sums it up. He says, I envied the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. He's just kind of frustrated because he's realizing, looking around, that these wicked people, these proud people, they, they're seeming to prosper. They're getting away with their wickedness. Not just that, but they're aware of it. They seem to be aware of the fact that God's doing nothing about it. Verse 11 says that um, these wicked, proud people, they're saying, what does God know? Does the Most High even know what's happening? Not only are they going unpunished and getting away with their wickedness, they're prospering. The rich are getting richer. And Asaph's saying, hey, it's not fair. This doesn't seem right. God, are you not aware of what's going on here? Where's the karma? I think that's what Asaph is asking. And I think that's how we kind of relate to this, this psalm thousands of years later. We're like, God, where's the justice? If they do this, then they should get this. That's the way it should work, God. We love the idea of that instant justice of karma, don't we? That's why we like videos like this one. Check this out. Come for you. Tell me what 
Do you like how the last guy just kind of pulls back in like, no, no, I was going to go in here. I'm not. <laughs> you just know. And I'm saying you just know. I know none of you know because you're all wonderful drivers. But those, those guys who overtook on the solid line and as soon as they got around and they just see the police car ahead, they're like, oh, I just know what's happening. It doesn't matter if it's half a mile or five miles. They just know at some point that police car is going to come up. And we like those videos because for us, We've been the other driver when the guy zipped past us or cut us off and we're like, I hope there's a cop around. I hope someone get." <laughs> but the reality is, and the sad reality is that those videos are few and far between because a lot of times they drive like that and they get away with it. There isn't anyone around to serve that instant justice and we feel wronged. It's not fair. If I'd have overtaken, I know there would have been a cop up ahead. <laughs> I know I'd have got a ticket. You see, this idea of karma, okay, it can be found in Hinduism and Buddhism, but it's actually nowhere to be found in Christianity. This idea that there will be this instant justice if we do wrong. And that's what Asaph was struggling with here in his psalm to God. And I think that's why we relate, that's why I relate anyway to this, because we see stories in the news of powerful and wealthy people, organizations who are doing uh, shocking things and then somehow seem to get away with it, sometimes go unpunished, even when their wickedness is exposed. And if that wasn't enough in itself, we then, I think, relate, especially if we're here this morning and we've made a decision to follow Jesus and to live righteous lives, to live the best lives we can, we then relate to Asaph's next level of the struggle. He brings this up in verse 13. Did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? I get nothing but trouble all day long. Every morning brings me pain. Have you ever had that feeling? Not only are the wicked getting away stuff, you're like, hey, I'm doing right, and look at what's happening with me. It's not fair. But this is what I love about this psalm that Asaph wrote. As we read on, he discovers the answer. He shares the answer. And how? How did he discover that answer? This is brilliant. It's just half a verse, one small line. But in verse 17, it says, Then I went into your sanctuary, O God. I went into your sanctuary. I went to church. <laughs> and everything fell into place. There in the Lord's house, Asaph realized he had been content to look solely at the here and now. 
He'd failed to consider all the facts. When he went to worship publicly, he began to think in terms of eternity. The house of the Lord has a wonderful way of bringing the eternal to bear upon the temporal. You know, I'll meet people sometimes and they'll say, well, I'm a Christian, but I don't feel like I need to go to church. And, and in essence, they're correct. I don't think you need to go to church to be a Christian. You can love Jesus, follow Jesus, be a Christian, not go to church. But there's just something about making it a goal to, to attend a church service. Because when you're here, it's almost like, you know, life, work, family. You're, you're kind of just, you just put it on pause a second and you're thinking of bigger things. When you gather here on a Sunday, when you gather here to worship God, you think outside of life to, to greater things, even more eternal things. This week has been an incredibly hard week for Washington as a community. Uh, last week, three uh, high school students were killed in a car accident. The dad of one of those students was driving the car. He also lost his life. This week began two of the three funerals. The third funeral will be tomorrow. So it's just been a, a tragic week for the community. I've been amazed as I've talked to folks who live here in Washington about these three young people. And it just seems like everyone I talk to, I coach them. I remember them um, in the library. I remember him this. I remember her. You know, there was just these connections. I feel like we live most of our lives aware of death, but we're strangers to it. And when we are affected so closely and personally in this way, it causes us to focus a little more on things of eternity. That there is more to life than just this short period of time we spend in these bodies here on earth. I came across this quote this week. I thought it was really uh, kind of neat the way it was written. It says, you and I are not bodies with spirits, but we are spirits with bodies. And that distinction is important because it means that even though our physical bodies will die, our spirits will continue to live. And when we consider this, when we consider the eternal, we realize alongside Asaph that there will come a day of justice. That was the answer that Asaph came up, to his, came up with to his problem. In verse 17, he says, I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. Truly you put them on a slippery path and sent them sliding over the cliff to destruction. In an instant, they are destroyed, completely swept away by, the terror, by terrors. He realizes at the end of the psalm, the scales aren't broken. That there will come a time when everything is taken into account. That God will view. And, and it may look like in this short lifetime that the, the, the wicked are prospering. And that sometimes those who are following God are struggling. But there's more than just this short lifetime. And there will come an account one day where God, I believe, will reward those who followed him and will hold accountable those who didn't, those who were wicked. So thousands of years later, reading the psalm of Asaph here in Washington, Illinois, how do we respond to this? What do we do with this information? Well, for starters, I think it's important that we're clear on who Asaph is speaking about when he refers to the proud and the wicked. As I was preparing this message, I kept, kept this thought kept popping into my mind because he talks about how these people are prospering, how these fat cats have everything their hearts could ever wish for. And I want to be clear here, he's not saying that these people who are successful or wealthy, I've got a problem with them. 
Because maybe you're here this morning and maybe uh, throughout your life, throughout situations in your life, your career, you find yourself to be somebody who's, who's successful, who's wealthy. And if you're not careful, you can read this and think, man, is this Psalm talking about me? Those who prosper? But I don't think he's specifically addressing successful, prosperous people. We have some people here in our community that are very successful, very prosperous, who do amazing things. You know, following this um, tragic car accident, we uh, put together a fund for the community to, 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 to donate to to help these families. I just announced it last Sunday for the very first time, and just in the last week, $55,000 has been donated to help these families at this time. It's incredible. And it's been such a blessing because I know that some of the folks who donated, whether they were members of the community or members of Connect Church, are in a place where because they've been blessed financially, they've made that decision to say, I want to use my, my finances, my wealth for, for good. I want to be generous. Now, the other cool thing is we've had over 300 people make donations. And some of those donations have been $5, $10, have come from high schoolers, college students. It's just been so amazing to see collectively how many people have wanted to make a difference. But I think the takeaway for us this morning is this. It's not about wealth or poverty. That's not what defines the wicked and the righteous. Asaph is looking at two groups of people, the wicked and the righteous, the people who do bad, the people who do good. So this morning, I think we have to ask ourselves the question, which of those two groups do I find myself in? Now, if we're honest with ourselves, I think we'd all like to say, well, I'm in the good. <laughs> and even if we struggle with that idea a bit, we could always think of somebody who's not as good as us and say, well, I'm better than them. <laughs> so that at least puts me on that side of the good. But here's the challenge for us all this morning. You see, I think we all fall into the wicked category. We know ourselves, we know our hearts, we know the struggles we have, we know our thought life, and, and the reality is every one of us could very easily fall into the category of wicked. And God knows that. That's why God sent Jesus to die in our place, because he knew that none of us would ever be good enough to move from wicked to good. So the reality is, it's not whether we're wicked or good, it's whether we've come to that place in our lives of saying, God, I know I'm wicked. I need you because I can't pursue this life of being good without your help. So I think the two categories in actual fact this morning are those who have chosen to look to God for help in their lives and those who have said, I don't need you. I got this. And I think that's how Asaph identifies them well. These, these fat cats, these prosperous wicked, it's almost like they're turning their head to God saying, we don't need you. We can do just fine without you. And as Asaph pointed out, they actually were. They were prospering. They were doing well. With their backs turned to God's, they were doing well. But Asaph realized there will come a day of reckoning. And I think for us in our lifetimes, we can choose where we will stand on that day of reckoning by, by the choice we make now about God. So my hope, my prayer for, for all of us here this morning is that we would be in a place in our lives saying, God, I need you. I need you 
in my life. I can't do this on my own. Without you, Lord, I know my heart is wicked. I know who I am. I need you to help me, to forgive me for the wrong I've done, to help me to, to live a better life. And then out of that relationship with you, I choose to do good. Knowing that, just because I follow you, I still may encounter struggles in life. And I may walk alongside people who aren't following you and they're prospering. And I may find myself at times saying, hey, it's not fair. I made the right choice. But I promise you, there will come a day where you will know that you made the right choice because you will stand before God. You'll hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. If you'll choose to say, God, I wanna turn towards you, I wanna follow you. Let's pray. Father God, this uh, last week has certainly for me reminded me of the fact that there is more to life than this just very short, uh, as the Bible often says, like vapor, this morning fog, life that is here in a moment, gone the next. And yet despite that, Lord, we get so caught up in it. We get so caught up in this, this temporal existence, Lord, this life here, but we are not bodies with spirits. We are spirits, Lord, that inhabit bodies, and those spirits will live on. So, Father, I pray that the decisions we make now will have an eternal impact, that we won't get caught up in the, the trap that Asaph got caught up in where we think, well, this isn't fair because I'm trying to do what's right, and that person's not, and they're doing well, and I'm not. And The reality is, Lord, there will be a day of reckoning. There will be justice. So help us, Lord, to stay focused on you, Help us, Lord, to keep our eyes on you. Help us, Lord, to realize that without you, Lord, our hearts are wicked, but with you, Lord, we are forgiven, washed clean, can have new lives through you. So, Lord, I pray that everyone here this morning, whether here in person, watching online, would make that choice every day, Lord. God, I need you in my life. I wanna commit to following you in everything I do. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen.